for these conversations right now, I am a regular schmegular person. Regular schmegular <laughs> person. You know, that's exactly what we're going to say. A regular schmegular person. I don't think you're regular. I actually think you're pretty intelligent to be real. <laughs> Sometimes I know exactly what you're going to say. Every single month, your bank account is overdrawn. The world is a business. A husband is what's left of a sweetheart after the nerve has been killed. Walking around blindly with dead eyes, following orders, not knowing what they do, not caring. You have selfish, ignorant citizens. You're going to get selfish, ignorant leaders. You mean like Democrats? Well, we both agree that must be the reason. Why not let the folks themselves ask for something that they like to hear? We are knee deep in a pool of stagnation. No, no, no. Wait a minute, friends. You don't want to hear that, do you? Yeah. yeah. Hey, guys. Welcome to Objectively Incorrect. I'm your boy, Stephen Smith. Today, I'm joined by regular schmegular, but not so regular, Patrice Rene Harris. Patrice, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Ooh, snap! <laughs> and guys, today we're going to be talking about politics. We're going to be talking about some electromechanics. And we're going to get some, you know, some thoughts thrown around there in light of COVID-19. Um, some of the restrictions that we have, some of the changes that were made, some of the upgrades. I call them upgrades because I think streaming political, you know, political material is is interesting in the way that they're doing because to me they're doing it every like two days now i like it's like real it's not just like having a bunch of people it's having like our you know delegates and and so on just on screen talking you know it's just it's a different time completely so patrice yes once again welcome to the show guys we're gonna do a little fact of fiction section before we deep dive into our topic for today which is really politics but we're gonna deep dive into it um and today our fact of fiction our theme is once again democracy so Ooh. this is gonna be fun is democracy around should i be world? scared of course not because okay. no matter what happens the two of us are going to learn something today <laughs> okay no matter what happens, like I had to do the research for this and, you know, you're going to just take a well guess sometimes. Or maybe you might know the answers. Who knows? Let's do it. All right. Number one, the United States of America with 250 million voters is the largest democratic country in the world. The United States of America with 250 million voters is the largest democratic country in the world. True or false? I'm actually thinking through this question. If I'm thinking about other places of the world that's do, that are large, they are not democracies. If you think of places larger than America, Russia is larger than America. I'm going to go with true. You're going to go with true? It's false. Really? Yes. India. <laughs> India. India has 911 million eligible voters Ooh. and they are the largest yeah. democratic country in the entire world okay. yeah that's that's a lot like when you are 1.3 billion people yeah. okay. all right okay. number two <laughs> with a total size of 160 kilometers squared the marshall islands are the smallest democratic nation in the world with a total size of 160 kilometers squared the Marshall Islands are the smallest democratic nation in the world. True or false? Marshall Islands. I'm trying to think about whether they are, whether or not they are independent. What did you say this, this size is? The size is 160 kilometers squared. Kilometers. So I think it's 68 square miles. So you, you're trying to trick me here because you're using kilometers and think it's square miles. I, don't know I think think it's 212 square miles, I think think so we are so if they are the smallest democratic state of the world oh my gosh i probably don't fail this test but i want to go and say false you're gonna go false it is false it's false um the the with a population of 12,704 and with only a 21 kilometer squared area nauru n-a-u-r-u is the smallest country in the world to have a democracy uh okay. to be democratic to be democratic yeah where is nairu nairu by let me look this up because i didn't <laughs> i think they're in no they're in the pacific they're in the pacific ocean pacific. Yeah. okay okay interesting 
So yeah. I got one already. I got one so fast. You're doing good. You're doing good. Half is good. All right, number three. Voting in Brazil is mandatory. True or false? Voting in Brazil is mandatory. True or false? Wow. If that is true, I'm, I'm surprised. I'm, I'm going to go with true. It's true. Really? Yes. Wow. In Brazil, the federal constitution says all literate Brazilians between the ages of 18 and 70 are required to vote. For anyone over 70, vote, voting is voluntary. The same is true for anyone between 16 and 18 years old. Well, the, well, fine, well, the fine for not voting is minimal, roughly $1.50. Other penalties for not obta obtaining document proof of voting is required for public employment public housing, the issuance or renewal of a passport, or a government-backed loan. Wow. Yeah, so they're like, vote, or uh, you ain't getting nothing from us. And the thing is, it backfires. I kind of like it. It, 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 it it's, it's, it's interesting because there's a lot of controversy surrounding that. While I was doing the research for this, they said that it's backfired. The reason they did it is... Um, when they moved into democracy, they wanted everybody to have a say, no matter what your financial situation or your class was. Um, but the thing is, people, <laughs> people in the law, you know, they, they still they still have a situation where people would go in and just spoil the ballots or put down a name that is not on the ticket, and end up spoiling forty one percent of the ballots. So only really 59% uh, um, of the votes are actually counted. Because people are like, they're, they're vexed that I have to stand up in this long line to vote. They don't like it. Okay. So, okay. Next question. All right. Number four. More than one in three people live in an authoritarian system, but over half of those do live in China. More than one in three people live in an authoritarian system, but over half of those that do live in China. True or I false? think that's true. It's true. Yeah. It is true. Elections have been in all but five countries with populations over 500k from 2000 to 2012. So most of the world is, well, most of the countries are democratic. Um, yes. But China, Eritrea, Qatar, Saudi Arabia, and the United Arab Emirates are just a few who do not have a democratic system. Mm. Some of them, those are monarchies. But, okay, number five. Margaret Hilda Thatcher was the first democratically elected female prime minister or head of government in history. Margaret Hilda Thatcher was the first democratically elected female prime minister, head of government in history. True or false? Margaret Thatcher, the woman with the iron fist. The iron prime lady. Minister, the iron lady. Yes. Prime minister of the United Kingdom. Was she the first ever democratically elected female prime minister in history? Wow, if that, if that is true, wow. Wow, that makes me feel so old because I, I know this. I'm, I'm, so wow. <laughs> Let's say true. It's false. It's false. Absolutely, okay. yeah, it's false. Saramova Baranaiki, I, I'm probably butchering the name, Saramova Bandaranaiki was a Sri Lankan politician who was the first female to be elected head of government in the world. She served as a prime minister three times and was the leader of the Sri Lankan Freedom Party. Okay, so Patrice, the thing is, I wanted to talk to you because I think we're in a very um, interesting, if not uh, trying time. Um, lately, I mean, last night, we, we did have some violence. I don't know if you heard about some violence in Old Road. Um, yes, my mom actually was the one that told me about it. And my mom is living in St. Thomas. It's just kind of, yeah, that happens often. Yeah. And it's very unfortunate. I do want to send my condolences to that family as well because we don't want to ever condone or entertain or engage in any acts of violence regardless of what the motive might be. Indeed. We condone that. Indeed. And the thing is, what, what I mean, it kind of hits home close, close to home to me because... Um, the guy who's being charged with, with um, murder um, uh, is not being... Let me not say he's being charged with murder. Let me say what I know. The is guy who is alleged um, to have killed the other guy, he lives, like, across the road from me. Um, well, oh, wow. where I used to live. Because I live in Birdwatt now, but I used to live in Green Tree Housing. That's where my oh. family lives. And he, he grew up across the street from me. I mean, we used to play video games together regularly. Like, it was... Like these guys are guys I know. 
Like the other one, I think he's a little younger. I think so. But he wasn't so close. But the one who who who's alive still, he he's pretty close to me. And wow. So like yeah, me and my family kind of we kind of dealing with that, um, trying to kind of console and and be there for you know the survivors and whatnot. And even his family who now has to face you know a very trying time or whatnot. But that's happening in Ground Zero, Saint Kitts. But in terms of the the political spectrum. Um, I really want to have a conversation with you about your thoughts and mm-hmm. maybe even some more facts about our election and what it is we are actually heading into on this Friday because we know that it's it's and you know the, the word unprecedented is being thrown around here like just consistently. Um, but what are we what are we gonna be waving like? I mean, in your thoughts, your thoughts. What are we waving for this Friday's elections or for for this upcoming election? When you say waving, what exactly do you like? Mean? What compromises do we have to make? What compromises will be made? Um, from what you were made to understand. Okay. Now, what's peculiar about this election cycle is that we're going to have to go to the polls in a COVID nineteen era, where mm. there's a heightened level of uh, awareness towards sanitation and hygiene and just overall uh, what what we call it space like your mm-hmm. own personal space social distancing. and so social distancing and so that has had an impact as well in terms on uh, in terms of how we campaign mm-hmm. because traditionally the campaigns will include these massive meetings, these massive rallies. Mm-hmm. It would include a lot of canvassing and knocking on doors and real close interaction with each other. Mm-hmm. Even if you look at the campaign teams being at their headquarters, the level of closeness that they share with each other. I think it's a bit interesting as well because we are at the, I don't want to say the tail end, mm-hmm. but we are at, the elections are at a point in time where the country is a bit more open. Mm-hmm. We can see some similarities to what it would have been traditionally. But what has been interesting for me, because I'm a media enthusiast, mm-hmm. how we are using virtual tools to market the, the candidates, to market the, the parties. Because I'm, I'm, even though I'm a media enthusiast, I'm still very intrigued as to my traditional canvassing, knocking on doors and speaking yeah. to persons. Mm-hmm. But this Elections in a COVID-19 era forces a lot of creativity. But yes, it does. And ingenuity, especially in, ingenuity. in terms of utilizing the technology and, and the communication tools. Because I think even the election before this one, I, I, I did not see, I can't remember seeing the kind of digital push that we are seeing now that it's a necessity. Like it it's, is. And interestingly, today, I would have gotten a text message from one of the political parties saying, vote for this party, click this link for the manifesto. Mm-hmm. It's beyond me. Um, I also manage a soccer artist, Lucas H.E., and he would have performed on Team Unity's 869 Forward, one of the events that they would have hosted, and I got to go to the venue. Mm-hmm. And if you were to see the setup, it is just mind-blowing, the different backgrounds and just the amount of technology that is involved. Mm-hmm. So this is a heightened level of creativity because... You might not have seen so much effort being put into this t- type of campaigning if you just had to put up a tent mm-hmm. and, and uh, just a PA system. It would not have seen this much effort. Mm-hmm. So, so even if you're looking at some of the campaigning, to, uh, campaigning throughout the community as well, where you see a lot of loudspeakers being hoisted on top of vehicles, on the back of trucks, not saying that it didn't happen before, mm-hmm. but I definitely think it's at a heightened level at this moment. So as a media enthusiast, I'm looking at these things and, I'm, and my, my, my lights mm-hmm. are lit up. Yeah, because <laughs> it's like, oh my God, this is, an, this is an amazing time. Um, even so, like, I, I think like the loudspeaker, and I have my own doubts about the effectiveness of the loudspeaker campaign. Um, yesterday I was talking to someone and they, they, they mentioned that, you know, you can't get rid of the loudspeakers because um, they, 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 they cause attention and, and because they they alert the, the, the community toward what's happening in terms of the colors and in terms of the political campaigns and so on. I personally, I, I don't know, I have my own preferences. Maybe I'm a niche, I'm part of the niche market 
where like that doesn't appeal to me at all. Like you're coming through the neighborhood and making a lot of noise. It's just like just hurry up and go through so that you don't have to. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Like it, and it doesn't matter. Again, I'm not I'm not well. I'm gonna say to you, I'm not well on the whole political matter. When I say I'm not well, oh. um, I'm not I'm not excited about it. Uh, and last time I wasn't excited about it. This time I'm still not particularly excited about it. You know, two comments in response to that. I don't think it's a matter of you not being world on the political matter. Mm -hmm. I think, and I hope I, I, I'm speaking correctly on your behalf, you might not have an attraction towards the tribal party politics that we have in terms of PLP, P PAM, and Labour. Mm -hmm. you, you don't have an attraction to that. For you, it might be. A lot, a lot, of, a lot of young people say this they are concerned about the issues and the policies. Mm -hmm. So seeing a truck coming to my community, because they start at 6 a.m. I live in the village, yeah? and they start to block up there. <laughs> and it's loud, loud. They kiss is like they're waking you up. Right? I'm an early rise. They don't wake me up. I'm already up. Okay. But it's loud, loud, massive, massive speakers. Mm -hmm. And I posted on my Facebook page today, there are some political marketing strategies that do not force you to update your voting preference. It doesn't, they don't. Most of them don't. So there are a lot of fake pages on Facebook, mm -hmm. a lot of videos and dropping files and people speaking out on Facebook. They, they technically, they do not force an individual to update his or her voting preference mm -hmm. because only people who align with that party or with that school of thought are going to engage with that information. What forces an individual to update his or her voting preference is canvassing. Is, 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 a, is a candidate sitting on having a conversation with you, calling you these traditional methods. So yes, they help with visibility and they help you to maintain your core, but they don't allow anybody to update his or her voting preference. They really, really do. Because if I'm not interested, if I'm not engaged, hearing vote Aquila or vote Carlis throughout my community is not going to persuade me in any way, shape, form or fashion. I could I could see that. Um and the thing is we we, we live in a very um closely knit community as well. So it's like uh -huh. Those wide scale, and, and, and I don't want to call them wide scale because you could literally just sponsor a post on Facebook and try to get it to reach as, as many thousands of, of, of strangers as you possibly. And I say strangers because it, it's indiscriminate. It's not, like, uh -huh. it's not like, oh, well, you know, target this, this, these set of households over here because, you know, they, they're on the fence or they might, we think they're on the fence or whatever. It's not like you're targeting those. You're just kind of saying, hey, look, just. Everybody get this message. And most of, you know, some people already have their persuasions very well grounded. And I find, um, you know, when I say well grounded, I mean that in the most, in the most, um, <laughs> how come up in the ear sense. And when I say up in the ear, what I mean is, um, in St. Kitts, I find we have um, really four sets of voters. And you could correct me and update me if I'm wrong. Okay. Um, we have four sets of voters. We have people who are, um, definitely down for this position or that position. So those are the two. Uh -huh. So you have one set for Labour, PLP, one set for Labour, one set for PLP or PAM. You know what I mean? And it's kind of like, I'm going to vote for that no matter what. Like, it doesn't matter what they do, uh, what they accomplish, what they don't accomplish. I am a PAM, I'm a PLP, no, or I am a Labour. Right, uh -huh. so we have those two camps, and then we have the 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 the, the middle of the road camp is uh -huh. like, what could I get from this, for this election? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> what kind of handout? What what's the best handout you could give me? How could I? They, they call it what political prostitution. What could I get? <laughs> Votes for things. Well, yes, they vote for stuff. Right, mm -hmm. and then you have like you know the, the 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 I would call us the minority who want to vote for the issues like vote for how good of a future could I expect from you and your, your party? Like, what could I expect you guys to accomplish in the next five years that's going to be for my benefit and the benefit of the entire country? And of course, when you say the benefit of the entire country, you do mean like, hey, look, what are you going to put in place to allow us to continue to grow as a nation and continue to develop so that my children could actually benefit from something that you're going to put in place? You know, there are people... But you know, I, I have created a model... Mm -hmm. and, and it's a bit similar to what you have spoken about. I believe that people vote based on interests. And that's just the reality of the situation. And there are three types of interests that you can vote based on. 
you have an individual interest, a community interest, and a national interest. When people vote on an individual interest, they're thinking about how it can satisfy their individual needs, mm -hmm. whether it is by receiving a house, a piece of land, a scholarship, whether it is that your mother would have been discriminated by a government of the past. Oh. You're, you're thinking mm -hmm. about individual needs. Mm -hmm. But if you vote on a community interest, you are voting for the candidates in your eyes mm -hmm. who you feel can bring about the most community change, community development in terms of ensuring that your community is represented and taken care of. Well, These mm -hmm. voters think a lot along the lines of what their, I don't want to say what their parents have done, but what their community as a whole has done. So this is where you find the labor strongholds and mm -hmm. the PAM strongholds. These are persons that vote based on community interests. We, you might see constituencies like three, and three, constituency number three in particular, they have voted for one political party for, for since forever. 1984. Yeah, forever. Mm -hmm. So you might say that persons in that constituency vote based on community interests. Then you have persons who vote based on national issues. Persons who vote for what is best for their country. Persons who, who are committed to seeing a future. Now, persons who vote on a national or on an individual basis, they're very likely to update their voting preference. Mm -hmm. But persons who vote on a community basis, they don't tend to update their voting preference. And that's why you have these whole conversations of flip-flops. Mm -hmm. People who, in my estimation, have updated voting preferences, but there's a lot of conversations about loyalty. But mm -hmm. the question is, what, which interests are you being loyal to? A community interest, an individual interest, mm -hmm. or a national interest? And that's the model I've come up with because mm -hmm. people are guided by how they vote based on, based on an interest. Mm -hmm. And how, however strong that interest is. However like strong what, that interest cause, is. Because in, in any case, you might have... You might have a situation where one, one individual or a group of individuals have different weights placed to different these 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 three different interests. One might be like, okay, well, guys, we are traditionally labor, right? But uh -huh. but when you look at it, you know, we're not really getting what we want personally or nationally. So maybe it might be the case that okay, we're gonna update because of personal or na nation based. You know, you know, preferences uh, as you as you grow. Okay, look, you know, uh, well, you know, the nation is not doing too well. I think we should just try something else. You know what I mean? So it just it just depends on what where the weight is is thing. And and you're right. Like when it comes to the community interests or the the party politics or the 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 um the legacy, like you're voting based on legacy. Your your mother vote Pam. Your your auntie sister daughter child voting Pam. So you just vote Pam. Like that's just the that's just the legacy. Uh, and I'll tell you this much. I because I'm a first time voter as I You are voted, oh yes. I am a first time voter because I was abroad. You were <laughs> abroad the last time. time. Vote, yes, came along. Mm -hmm. And I've taken it upon myself with my best friend. We go through the island. We drive through the island at least four times a week. Really? We drive through the entire island. For me, mm -hmm. I want to understand what mobilization looks like. I want to speak to people. I want to see people. Because a lot of times, because of social media, we get a false sense of reality. Mm -hmm. And I want to have an understanding of what that reality is. And I met a, I met a man in Dieppe. Mm -hmm. And we were having a conversation. He approached me. He began to engage me. And I will listen mm -hmm. at any point in time. Mm -hmm. And he goes on to say that he's from a particular constituency. And he goes on to say that voting for that constituency is based on tradition. Mm. This is how his grandmother voted. This is how his mother voted. This is how he voted. And this is what he has passed on to his children to vote. Regardless of what changes in the country, in the community, on an individual basis, mm -hmm. that vote is fixed. It's a traditional vote. Mm -hmm. And he goes went on to say this has happened because in a lot of instances you find that you know, you, you become an adult, yeah. but you still live with your mother or you mm -hmm. still live with your grandmother mm -hmm. and they threaten to throw you out of their household if, you don't vote, if you're not going to vote the way you, they want you to vote. <laughs> you know, I laugh because he's just lately I heard somebody say the same exact thing. Yes, it's it like, very serious. If you ain't put the X this way, don't come back here. Don't, don't bother. <laughs> and it's funny because you, you, you're going into a ballot box by yourself. 
But it's that level of fear that's instilled in you. I consider that to be emotional abuse, huh? Yeah. Emotional and psychological abuse. It's, it's definitely psychological abuse. It's definitely because the thing is, voting comes around like once every five years. Mm-hmm. So once every five years, they get traumatized and they get the threats. And then, you know, whatever happens, happens. And then you, you, <laughs> your parent might look at you and say, you know, the reason we lose is because... You ain't, I show you ain't put the X where you're supposed to put it. And then it just becomes this turmoil thing. Um, yes. But I think that's sad. <laughs> I, do, I do think it's sad um, that the, 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 the democracy that, that, that we would be looking out for is really not the democracy that, that we have. Um, and and, and this, is, this is my own personal preference. Of course, you could throw it out. Um, but I'm saying... Democracy is supposed to be, you know, you're, you're, you're voting based on what is best or what's in your best interest. All right. Mm-hmm. And when you talk about community, I think something else stirred in me. Um, I could think of one constituency that I think, I think it may be number five, um, who has a very strong community pride. Like mm-hmm. they have extreme, they, 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 you know, you can't speak, you know, it's SPO, the best be all the way. You know, don't, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Like, don't even question, don't ask. And they have voted differently over the past. They have changed, they have updated their preferences as a community. When they realize, okay, this person wasn't performing how they wanted, they updated, the, the, as, as a community, they updated their, their, their preferences and you know, they, they switched. You know what I'm saying? So, like, when I think of community, I, I think of community as what... Like, you're supposed to be looking at what is being done in your community. And if your representative doesn't represent your community, then as a community, it's like, hey, guys, we ain't really getting... As a community, we, we are not growing from this, this selection. We should, we should change or we should adjust or we should update or we should upgrade or we should do what we need to do. At least that's what I see it's supposed to be. But if you're going to just vote the same way every single time, then it leads your representative to feel somewhat unimpacted or un, you know, unmotivated to do anything different. They could literally <laughs> avoid doing anything for you. But, you know, recently I was on, I hosted a special edition of Voices mm-hmm. with members of the Youth Parliament Association. I am the president of that group. And we were having some serious conversations about constituency and community development versus national development Mm -hmm. because you find that candidates have to be placed in this precarious situation where they have to choose between the the satisfying the needs of their community Mm -hmm. and satisfying the needs of a nation you have a ministry to run Mm -hmm. so you have to strike that balance because the community the, the members of that constituency are the ones that actually vote for you. Mm-hmm. They are the ones that actually put the X in that ballot for you. Mm-hmm. And you find in circumstances and situations where a community did not elect the representative for the ruling government, that that community might be punished. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's terrible. Yeah, it's true. You, and it's like a slap in your face. Like you mm-hmm. didn't vote for me on my rep, so your community isn't. You will not get anything in that community. And then you find in circumstances where some communi- some communities have received a great a great deal of opportunities and developments and infrastructural changes mm-hmm. because the representative was elected and that ruling party mm-hmm. is in power. And so it's these types of conversations. And that's why for me electoral reform begins from changing by changing from first past the post to proportional representation. For me, mm. if I think that these 10 candidates are going to be uh, best suited to form the government, I'm going to put my ex by these 10 candidates and they are going to form the, the government. Ooh. I'm not going to be putting my ex by a saw or a hat or a hand. I'm mm. putting my name by the candidate that is going to be best. I'm presented with a slate of 40 candidates and I choose the best 10 and they form the government. They do that in Montserrat. Mm. I was even surprised to learn that. I was surprised. I didn't know that. In the U.S. Virgin Islands as well. And there might be some other countries that I can't call off of the top of my head. But I would be more in support of that system. So the system would be you have you so you have a so you have a, a set of names like you have a you set. have a balance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So and they're yes. not they're not representing a specific party. They're just. Then they can be representing a specific party, but they're not representing a specific constituency. Hmm. 
So all, so let's say right now we have 11 constituencies mm -hmm. and we have two candidates for each constituency. And in one case, we do have an independent candidate. So we have 23 candidates. Mm -hmm. So in a proportional representation system, you will have all 23 candidates on the ballot and you vote for your 11. Oh. The, first, the 11 persons with the most votes, the Win. That the and and then you would have representation on every level because then it so, wouldn't be a situation where the constituency falls. I see what you're saying. That's a very mm -hmm. interesting. So if you feel like because Dr. Drew is a, a medical doctor, he would be best for be health. The best for health. You mm -hmm. vote for him. If you think that Congress is because he's an engineer will be the best to run a ministry of public health, public works, mm -hmm. and so public works, you vote for him, and that way. You don't. You you're less likely to end up with this mudslinging, really barbaric behavior that we see every five years. And then you have five years of somebody and people going through a drought, as you said. Basically, mm -hmm. in some cases, mm -hmm. because there's there's oh, yeah. very little. <laughs> you could look around and see very little um development in certain constituencies. Indeed, that's a very yes, interesting idea. I like that. I like mm -hmm. that. I, I want. <laughs> I want to look into it some more, but I, I do like that. I think that's the most, that's, that sounds fair. I'll be in support of that anyway. Proportional representation. Wow, that, that is... May the best man win. May the best, <laughs> may the best 11 of you. When they say in, 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 in Mockingjay, it's like, may, may the odds be ever be in your favor. <laughs> may the odds be in your favor. But then, and then you would just hope that when everybody is chosen, that everybody could work together as a team. So all and of then, you... And then the development of the communities become a government issue, a national issue, not just this one person is responsible for putting lights on a play field or, mm. or giving, putting roads or building family parks for a particular community. It then becomes a national issue. Are there any other changes that you see um, that we've made because of COVID-19? No, what will also happen is that people would need to have a bit more patience when they do get to the polls because I imagine the, the lines, you know, the old... The lines were long the last time. <laughs> I was in the... I, the last time I voted, I was in the line for three hours. Really? What time did you go to vote? I went at nine. Oh, And wow. I got through at 12. Wow, I don't... I don't know And I felt like at one point, like, you know, you know, there's like this, this, um... <laughs> This anxiety that builds up when you're very, very close. I swear, like mm. within, I was in within three positions to go next, right? I was like the third in line, and I swear that took like an hour. Wow. One of the other changes that a COVID nineteen election cycle will also bring about is the absence of overseas voters. For quite some time, that has been a conversation and and debate really because there are persons who feel as though overseas voters should not be allowed to vote in our elections. And I have taken it upon myself to read the National Assembly and Elections Act, which mm -hmm. does allow them to vote. There's nothing unlawful about, about an individual voting? who does not live here voting here. As a matter of fact, if you are a citizen of St. Kitts and Nevis, because just like how I migrated, mm -hmm. I could have gotten a child there, and my child, even though that child would have never lived in St. Kitts and Nevis, could have been a citizen of St. Kitts and Nevis. And because of the fact that that child has never lived in St. Kitts and Nevis and is a citizen, they do, they can qualify to vote and they can choose to vote in the constituency where I lived in as the mother of the child or the constituency where the father lived in as the father of the child. And these, these situations are lawful. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, <laughs> let's see, let's see the, what about the other side of it? Because I think a lot of the controversy, well, for me, a lot of the controversy doesn't come from the allowance. I think a lot of the controversy has come from actually lifting public funds and flying in, you know, droves of, of charters to vote. I so mean, I will say this much. I will say two things to that matter. It is perfectly fine for an individual who lives abroad to take it upon themselves to fund their way to sink it and need it to participate in, in the 
federal elections. Agreed. I believe it is their obligation if they want to participate. I will not be in support of any party that wishes to use public funds or even their own campaign funds mm -hmm. to fly to in overseas yeah. voters. And, and the, the campaign funds, I mean, I, I, it can be a bit tricky because the diaspora is important to any developing country and any country on a whole. When you look at the amount of remittances that are sent back to St. Kitts and Nevis, barrels, people who own houses here, who pay their property taxes, who might still be investing in our social security because there are persons that do that. The strong ties and connections that they hold to their country, we can't dismiss that. So they do have a vested interest in their country. And if they wish to participate in that voting process, that is their right. They, they, they have that available to them. But I think what becomes an issue sometimes is that people will say, you don't live here, you don't choose to live here, but you want to come and dictate what my life will be like for the next five years. And so both of us are citizens, so what makes your rights greater than my rights? By the thing is, you see, and this is, again, this is where a lot of controversy comes up, Patrice, because... As as you said, there are some people who do send back money and do continue to invest in Singis, but there are a lot of people who don't invest anything in Singis. Singis does not have an income tax. You don't have to pay Social Security if you are a citizen residing in another country. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like if once you leave here, we, we could let we could literally end up with a situation like this, and it happens often. Um, where somebody is, is born in Singis, they. Uh, they grow up in St. Kitts, they go through the school system, which is for the most part free, uh, heavily subsidized. They go through the college system, which is, again, heavily subsidized um, by the government. And then they go off, they go, they collect, they, they, they get their degree in the States or in the UK, like you, or uh, they go to Dubai or whoever. So they go wherever they want, they get um, their, their qualifications, they stay where they are and they contribute to that economy. Meanwhile, St. Kitts gets sometimes nothing for all of the investment and for all of the citizenship that we that that you have you've given nothing but yet you know the controversy is that you want to come back on a free plane ride again we've already cut cut out that we, we don't agree with that but you come back on a free plane ride you, you cast your vote you maybe meet some friends and family for for 16 hours and then you go back on a plane and you we never see you again until the next time that there's an election call it's very difficult to distinguish who is making a contribution from who is not making a contribution but there are people who are not making a contribution who are you know coming and 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 Again, bolstering certain numbers because certain constituencies and so on, they would have people who register and, and, and so on, who don't, who never lived here, never gave anything, but they come and they, they, you know, they make things, I don't want to say difficult, but they, they do affect the numbers and they do affect the turnout of the election. But then when we are thinking about that in terms of investing and people going away and not coming back, mm -hmm. we have to also think of the flip side of the conversation here. You do not have to be a citizen to be eligible to vote. If you're a Commonwealth citizen living in St. Kitts and Nevis and you have met the residency requirement, you are eligible to vote. If you are married to a citizen of St. Kitts and Nevis and you live here, you, you become a citizen by virtue of that. I think the time has been reduced as well. You're eligible to vote. So for me, I think sometimes it comes down to a personal choice. It does. Because of all of the places where I've lived, I've never decided to participate in their electoral process. I've never decided to vote. I am registered to vote, but I did not vote. And that was my personal choice because I consider myself to be a petition mm -hmm. through and through. Yeah. So and you persons didn't. who live here and who are not citizens but are residents and do qualify as voters, it would really have to boil down to a personal choice. And I don't think that it is fair for anybody to chastise any person for that choice. Because we have seen it. We have, we have gone to school with persons who are from Guyana, who are from Jamaica, mm -hmm. who are from Dom Dominican Republic, mm -hmm. and we see how they assimilate, they, they somewhat become like Kitishan. It's true, and, we, and they do make contributions. Um, they do make yeah, contributions. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, it's, it's like, if you think about it on the surface level, which a lot of us sometimes do, we think of it on the surface level, it's like, where is them in there, man, they're voting here. You know, the thing is, but they live here, um, they, a lot of them are on social security in some shape or form. They do make they do make their contributions. They do pay bills. They do rent houses from sometimes kitchen landlords. So they are contributing to the economy. And if they they intend to continue to invest here for the next five years, really and truly, 
Even if it's dead, they continue to invest here indefinitely. Like, I think telling them that they can't vote or making, um, uh, uh, you know, rebuking them for voting is, I think, is, is wrong on, on any level. Like, it's wrong. It looks, because we, we're so used to all, like, we're Kittishan has a look, like, we're black, uh -huh. you know, uh, we know uh -huh. each other, uh, that so-and-so child. You know, we have these kind of connections that, that are pretty deep and, and we know everybody. So when we see somebody we don't know, it's like, how he, how the heck he get to vote here and they cheating and it. But yeah, but the thing is, you just have to ask the relevant question. Have you, are you a resident? Yes, I'm a resident here. Yeah, I have a voter's ID card. I had to qualify for this, hopefully. I had to qualify for this <laughs> in, in, in somewhere. Like, I had to go through some, I have to have something. Is that I've been working here for a, a certain amount of time. I'm married to somebody here. Um, I'm a CARICOM individual. Uh, you know, whatever the case is. But I did qualify for this. So you really can't and, tell me I can't vote. And, you know, it's, it's a double-edged sword argument because we might be thinking, oh, these persons live overseas where they don't want to come back here. And they are just kitchens who are physically living somewhere else. You might find that they do not participate in anything of the country where they are. They participate fully as a kitchen. And it's also interesting because that community will not accept them or might not accept them as maybe a Jamaican or American. as an American or as a British. Mm -hmm. they, they're still outsiders in that community. And then to come to St. Kitts, where they are citizens, this is where they are from, and to be outsiders there, where then do you fit in? Where then do you have a right to participate in the democratic process? So, I mean, I did my graduate studies on diaspora and how people shape identity and so forth. So I'm very passionate about these issues. Mm -hmm. But I do believe fundamentally that they, are, they should be allowed to participate in the democratic process just by virtue of the fact that they have some vested interest. Not everyone, not everyone who lives abroad. Sometimes you see people going abroad, listen, I've seen them. I've seen them in shopping malls, mm -hmm. in New York, in Miami, in St. Thomas, in, in, the, in the UK, and they have stripped everything about them that it means to be kittishan, so to speak. <laughs> From they have the assimilated vocal, into that Completely, culture. completely. Completely. <laughs> it, it's <laughs> an argument. can go so many ways. <laughs> well, but exactly, because Patrice, it, 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 it's, it's, it's a multifaceted argument. And I think mm -hmm. there's, a lot, there's a lot of concern, I think, um, I think in the way that it has been done. And of course, um, things have been mobilized as political tools. And I think there's a certain level of, of people. People do feel disenfranchised when, um, you know, you're working here, you're, again, you're living here, you are invested here completely. It's not that you're invested here partly. You're completely invested. If things go south for St. Kitts, well, you, you, you're, you're going on with the ship. You have no you choice. You have no other option. You ain't have no other option. Like, there's no, there's no, um, you're not in Britain and there's some social construct that could save you from, you know, a massive pandemic or something like that. They, mm. Whatever happens in St. Kitts, you are right in the target. And again, to just see somebody come in on a plane one day, vote and leave the next day, it just, it, it does, I do understand why that would give a funny taste in, in anybody's mouth. It's just, it just feels, it feels like a disenfranchise. It just feels disenfranchising. But and I can understand that. Really but you are, you are right. I'll, and I'll say you are right. Like if at the end of the day, you are a kittishan. And you are living in New York, Miami, you're living in Paraguay. No matter how much you try to assimilate, just like, you know, the, 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 the people from the Dominican Republic or the Jamaicans here, like no matter how much they try, once there's some distinguishing feature that we could tell that you're not, you're not you don't have a lineage here, you're not going to ever completely assimilate to here. It's never going to be a complete 100% acceptance of who you are here, because you are always going to be seen as different. You're a foreigner yeah. and outsider. You're a foreigner and an outsider. <laughs> and the, the biases are, are, and, and everything is going, the prejudice is going to be against you in some way, shape, or form. People okay. are going to ask where you have a position and they don't because they live here. You know, oh, it, oh, yes. you know people are going to say, oh, well, but she, she may or not she, how she end up in this line ahead of me? You know, it, it, it's just that concept. Again, it's very small-minded because, you know, it, it is. 
But at the same time, I, I do understand. And again, because people have weaponized it in such a way and shape and for, I don't, we, we, I don't, I personally don't agree with it. I say if you want to, if you want to contribute and you want to come down and vote, come down and vote. Like I have but no come issues. Down on your own dollars. But come down on your own money. If if you out there, <laughs> spend some of your pounds and US dollars and come down to St. Kitts and vote. And stay a week. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, 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 come on, man. Like, stay a week. Like, go around the island, man. Just take some pictures. You know, spend some money at a local mini-mat. Like, just, just do something. Do something other than jump on a plane, make your ex, and jump back on the plane and go back home. Like, do something. Spend a week. Have a vacation. Well, I don't know how much of a vacation it is around um, these times. These times could be a little hostile. I don't know. <laughs> you, you say you go around the, the country four times a week. I, I, Just about. I think I'm going this afternoon once I get off of this podcast. Oh, bye. Let's, let's make it quick. Um, okay. The, the, the one thing, I want to talk to you about a few other things. Um, have okay. you any, are you aware of any legal ramifications for not having external observers? Um, because I think, I don't know if you're, you probably are weird because... I am following that conversation. Oh, that conversation is tight. I have not seen anything official to come out to say that there will be observers here. I have not seen anything official. Mm. I know that in the supervisor of elections initial statement a few Fridays ago, he would have mentioned that the Christian Council and the Chamber of Industry and Commerce and the Evangelical Association would have been local observers. Mm. I've also seen a, a letter circulating on social media which says that they do not intend to participate in in that capacity because mm. they have only been involved in limited capacities before. Mm. I'm not able to confirm the validity of that letter, but I would say this much that the elections should be observed mm. because especially if you want to have this conversation about free and fair elections, we should have observers. One of the other conversations that I, I am hearing persons say this that well, all the, all the observers are going to say at the end of the day is that the elections went well. They don't ever report any irregularities. Mm. But whether or not they report irregularities, it is more so, more so the perception that, that democracy was served mm. and that there, wasn't, there, was a, there was a group of persons whose job it was to, to, to ensure that it was correct, to look. So I, I cannot support an election without observers. I've heard to the grapevine that there might be some observers coming in from overseas, that there might be some some special precautions being put in place in, in as it relates to elections in a COVID-19 era. I know that there was there were some put in place in Suriname that recently had elections as well. I can't say for certain. I don't like to speak about things that I'm not sure certain about. But mm -hmm. I would say that I would love to have observers for our elections in terms of legal ramifications listen these lawyers might find some sort of constitutional right mm. that might have been evaded mm. or that they, that persons would have been deprived of because of a lack of observers so don't be surprised if it does happen that's the thing i i almost expect it mm -hmm. like i i almost expect it no matter where the election goes uh -huh. Like even even if the incumbent is 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 victorious or or the opposition is victorious, I, I almost could I almost could smell some legal ram. Even if it holds no water at all, you know what I mean. Just to, and just I think I think Sinkins is a unique place because we I think we were we were one of the first countries throughout the region to have so much litigation involved in our election process. <laughs> I think it went from years. Years earlier, with the removal of names from the voting list, and then the last elections we reached, we got all the way to the Privy Council yeah. <laughs> for <Jesus>. the boundaries. <laughs> so I think people from other islands they always look on to think it's and Nevis as one elections Why we just so aggressive? because of the highly litig litigant state that we are. But we so aggressive. Like, it's just <laughs> it's aggressive. Like election to me, and 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 somebody I was talking to somebody yesterday, um, and he said. You know, it's probably a good thing that two things occurred. One, that we, we are in a COVID-19 era um, mm -hmm. so that we could have less, as, as, as little contact with each other as possible. 
and and two that the elections are being called in a quick time so we don't have an a long process of this hostility uh-huh. and I, I don't know how you feel I, I'm asking I'm, I'm not voicing it as my opinion but I'm saying how do you think about that like what do you think do, do you think do you think that holds water? Because I don't know. It's just, it's just if what holds water, the level of hostility that we have. The level, the level of hostility, and if it, it was a good thing for it not to be, you know, going on for months. You know, I, I was speaking with a colleague, a work colleague, this morning about it, and initially, when the date for the elections was announced, everybody, uh, most persons, felt as though, wow, this is a short space of time out of elect for it to go on longer. Mm. But then as the days progressed Jesus. and the campaigns began to intensify and we saw the supporters really begin to rally and they're out in the streets, they're in their numbers and people are hot-headed. I am so happy that the elections is Friday. I'm so happy. Get it done. <laughs> I'm sorry, get it. Just get it done. Let's just get this. And, and this is me not, it's not that I don't care about the result, of course, you, you care what is depending on as a small business owner, depending on what happens. But well, the strategy gonna have to change and shift, right? <laughs> um, but but beyond that, like let it just be over with, so that we don't have to have the level of hostility in the air anymore. Like once it's done, yeah, we're gonna have some roll off and people gonna be vexed. No matter what happens, people gonna be vexed. They cheat, you know, and all this. You're gonna always have that. So to prepare for a week of of claiming back down that that the house but beyond that let's just be over let's be done and let's just move on with it i, I can't imagine even friday being a good day like I, I, I can't imagine it with the social distancing the standing up in the sun the long wait the whole protocols that they have to put in between of the long wait that I we think had you're thinking about it in a very pessimistic day Friday is a day for democracy. Democracy and liberation. Oh, God, I'm sorry. I've lost lost all. Oh, my forefathers? I I don't even know if they would be proud. I I, I, like I'm I'm sorry. I'm again. This is this is my my own personal opinion. Of course, has this is not no holding of water or anything. And if you enjoy elections, I'm not trying to rain on your parade. Go out, have a great day put your ex feel good have an inky finger or sin your soul whichever one you want to choose to do you do that you have a good time but for me <laughs> i don't look forward to it at all like one thing that disappoints me and i'll say it openly one thing that disappoints me i don't know if you've heard it or if anybody else has heard of it but i haven't heard any political party come out about the hostility or to even engage in trying to say, let's have a peaceful election. Guys, we understand we have our own political views, respect the views of others, and let's have a peaceful election. Haven't heard that from any party. Haven't heard that from any party. We've seen enough videos. We've seen enough Rampart. A murder is now here. Like, where's the, where's, the, where's the retard? Where's the togetherness and peace? Where's the peace? So I don't know if our, four, our forefathers, God bless their holy souls, who tried their very best to instill in us some, 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 you know, some, some bastion of confidence in the system that they've created. I don't know if they look back and say, hey, you know what? Good job, guys. Really? And, you know, in <laughs> other parts of the Caribbean, especially where there are two large racial groups, I can, I can think of places like Guyana. Mm-hmm. There is a lot of racial tensions oh, around elections time. We don't necessarily have that in St. Kitts and Nevis because there is not a, a fair proportion of different races here. Yeah. So mm-hmm. we're predominantly black. Predominantly. So you won't necessarily get any contestation between different races. You don't even get it between classes throughout election time. Not really. But not. to be honest, elections, and it might be globally as well, are very charged. They're very charged. If you look at countries like, I think it was Guyana again, that, that just didn't accept the, the election results. No, they didn't. They had to recount. They didn't. They just didn't accept election results. And that is because people are very, very charged and driven to think that this is what it's supposed to be and they're ready to get out. If you even look at places like Venezuela, mm. where one person would have been elected and another person has just declared himself as, 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 the, the, as the leader the, of that yeah, country. It's craziness. <laughs> 
So I think elections being very charged is a global conversation. And St. Kitts and Nevis, for us, we might think it's a really big deal because we're so small and Tiny. we see so much of what each other is saying in our spaces. Our spaces are so cramped up. And we, we might kind of sensationalize what it is really and truly. But I think one of the greatest issues in St. Kitts and Nevis is that we feel as though we have to agree with opinions. Mm. A lot of people mm. say they're on social media, they're on Facebook, and they're looking at things, and they're so upset, and they're getting so passionate. Mm. And I'm saying, why? That person is entitled to his or her opinion. opinion. You yeah. don't mm. have to agree with that opinion. It's true. You I don't. Mm. You really don't. So I really wish for peace. I wish for a heightened level of civility and understanding throughout this election cycle and future election cycles and paying attention to the different demographics and their involvement in the election process. If we look at millennials, persons who would have, the, it ends off at 1994, it may have begun at about 1984, that generation of persons Which are is me. Really, and that's me as well. <laughs> we are the group of persons who are really going to be the, the deciding factor for the upcoming elections. And then we have Generation Z, right after us, who some of them are eligible to vote as well. They are even more carefree. Yeah, man, the they, they don't give a crap. Like, it's, it's, it's interesting to me. But, you know, I am happy that we are in the age group that we are because every single elections, we are growing closer and closer to becoming um, the party or uh, uh, the people that are elected. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I, again, I don't know how old journalists. Or Akila, I, I really I don't know. I'm not I'm, sure, I'm, but I think Jonel and Akila and Conway, they're they're the, the younger, the younger ones, the younger of the batch. I'm but not I don't sure. Know if they are millennials. I don't think I don't know I'm if I'm really not sure. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Maybe they are. I, I'm not sure. But they are the younger of the batch, and I, I want to recognize you can see some differences. Of course, you can see some differences in their discourse. You can see some differences, especially within their marketing campaigns. Mm-hmm. Um, I live in the constituency of, of two of whom we just spoke about, mm-hmm. and I've actually gotten a call from one representative, and you can just hear the, the, the campaigning was on policies. That's the call that I got, a campaign on policies. This is what we intend to do, and it appealed to what that candidate would have felt would have been most important Put on, to me. Yeah. So they started with education and the oh, economy wow. and the environment. What? You can Patrice, go for him. <laughs> you can see some, some, some changes, and I'm excited about that. And I, I also saw something that was actually quite progressive to me. Um, maybe it's not just progressive, it's just looking at politics, um, especially from a global scale, um, mm-hmm. even, maybe even from America. Um, I saw a drive, uh, I saw a political candidate who was actually promoting his family. I'm like, what? Oh, wow. Yeah, like he, 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 he did a video and it was like he included his entire family in the video. I mean, of course, he was promoting yes. his political agenda, but he yes, was doing I it with family. And I found it, I found it to be refreshing. Yes. And, and it, it, especially given that, I, I mean, both... <laughs> How could I put this now nicely? Um, the previous administration and this administration are being headed by men who don't put their, you know, their relationships in the forefront in, in, in any way, shape, or form. There's no... And it, and it might just be playing out as simple that they might not have strong family values in terms and that's, of and that's, family of their exactly, wife, they, children. Exactly. Stuff. They don't have it, so they don't put it in the forefront. They don't, they don't showcase anything of that. So you kind of see them as like, you know, bachelor men just, you know, kind of out there. And they promote everything else around them versus just that. They don't do that. So to see somebody like, you know, have a family and have this kind of wholesome sensibility, it just, it just feels different. It feels like a different message. I mean, it might be the same message, it's packaged, but it's just the packaging feels it's so different. It's refreshing. I, I understand that. And I think... There's another candidate who I've seen kind of do that, but maybe not as blatant as the one that you're making reference to. Mm. But I know ZZ has a series and they're going around having conversations. And one of the persons, the participants in the interview did mention, I like this candidate because of the strong family value. Mm. 
Mm. And, and we don't get that very often, often yeah. in Caribbean politics, strong family values. I think the uh, the premier of Davis, he does that exceptionally of well. Of course he does. does. He, he's been doing it for years. Uh, for yeah, years. he does that exceptionally well. And, you know, that, that and these are, especially as you mentioned, in an American context, these are the points that hit home, strong family values, especially since we are, quote unquote, Christian and conservative. Yes. This is what mm -hmm. people like to see. Mm -hmm. And I'm putting it on all the ear quotes because I don't know where you believe tonight. Well, yeah. but, so I believe in that, those things you highlighted are, are things I grew up with. So that's okay. that. Okay. I have an so affinity. Especially, especially in these societies where those hold really, really high, high level of importance. Let me ask you something. Do, do you What's think, that? and maybe this might be coming you know, closer to the close, but... Um, how possible and how soon do you think we could like expect to have fully digital elections and and i'm talking and and, and, and let me Ooh. let me flesh it out let me flesh it out in a way because i want to see i want to look at it from a couple of different angles like would it be legal that's that's the first thing would some things have to change you know, in the guidelines for the electoral process, would that have to change in order for us to move there? Logistically, you know, what do you see it taking for us to get there? And realistically, how long do you think, if we started now, how long do you think it would take us to kind of, what's your guess, best guess estimate for us to get there? So legally, logistically, <laughs> and realistically. Okay, so... Legally, it really is something that can happen because the laws can be amended. Laws can be amended to update. This is what the voting now looks like because it does speak to ballots and polls and so forth. So laws can be updated to, to reflect that. Mm -hmm. In terms of realistically, you know, in a pre-COVID era, we didn't realize that so many things could have been possible. Oh we have seen all of these these uh, developers and some kids who have had these apps, who have had websites. I work at Skelec. We have had online bill payments from about 2016, but it took COVID-19 for us to get 200% increase in subscriptions for that service. Mm -hmm. And so there is the, the push is happening. The change is happening. People are recalibrating their minds to recognize the importance of technological advancement. Mm -hmm. And it can happen, but I would say that we, we have to recognize that while it may bring some advantages, no system will be without flaw. And we have seen that with the American elections, where we would have learned of some Russian interference allegedly, and I, I, don't, and I had not followed it as close, closely as I ought to, mm -hmm. but we knew that there was some Russian interference. So we have to be able to think about, if we're going to have digital elections, we have to have the security conversation because just as how we, we learned some stories when we were small about ballot boxes being hidden in cane fields, we can have that type of hijacking with digital elections. Mm -hmm. So while it might solve one problem, it might create another problem that we have to realistically prepare for. Could I interject for just a second? Of course. Because can. there's, of course, another part of the question, but it isn't like... Okay, I, I, when, we, when we go to do elections, we, 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 we use a pencil. I, I, mm -hmm. I'm, 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 I, I've asked a bunch of people why this is. I don't necessarily agree with it. But anyway, you, you use a pencil to, to put these ballots, to, to, to you know, signify who you want to vote for, right? You stand up in a line for you know, sometimes four hours. I, I had my three-hour experience, but some people had four. Um, and it's, it's a process where you kind of have to take off an entire day of work to do it. Okay? Mm -hmm. um, there is... There's, you, you could tamper with the election boxes. They, that's not... I don't even know if that's a difficult thing to do. Um, it probably is or should be, but I'm not so sure how difficult it is. I could think of a, a couple ways. But anyway, um, so it's not completely foolproof. No system is, but it's not. Mm -hmm. Uh, like I could see some advantages to the digital process. Um, for one, you would never have to ship in anybody because once they have a voter's ID um, and some valid, some other valid ID, and they have a, a camera on their phone, which every phone has, uh, you could, you know, you could definitely, you know, register and compare, you know, 
photo IDs and so on. Um, once you have your, your, your registration number and, and everything. So you could have protocols in place. Of, you would have to have protocols in place to make sure that you could validate that this person is this person and they're making this vote for this person or this set of people, as your reform would have stated earlier. I could see certain advantages, like don't, not having to stand up in a line. There's no need and for social distancing. The and the results would happen uh, instantaneously without human intervention. I mean, and the constant recalls. And, and the, the constant recalls and the constant... And the you know what I mean? The, when you have it's, cheap, it's cheaper. Like in the grand scheme, it's cheaper because you don't have to employ people to do but much I, of anything. I think it necessarily means that because yes with technological advancement it means that we'll have less labor but it will need labor yes of course but less it people will need labor. but less okay. people and and like you know even in terms of oversight like it's code it's code related oversight it's just a different and, and it's I a different process that, mm. as i would have mentioned i do understand the advantages of such a proposal but i don't because sometimes we we sometimes live in a society where we think it's either or, and we think it's black or. Oh, yes, that's the thing. It doesn't have to be. It could be right alongside. If you choose to vote, like in America, I think there's there, you could mail in your vote. You could mail your ballot. Yes, in. it's an absentee there's ballot. Ab you could do an absentee ballot, right? There's that system in place. But you could also go and stand up in the line just like everybody else. And I'm pretty sure, and I know for sure, that if you do a digital voting system in Saint you will have to do it alongside conventional voting because some people are of just course. not going to ever trust it you know what i mean like we us millennials might be like it might be half and half but the older population is going to be like heck no you know and you know there's a particular rite of passage of getting your finger dipped, dipped in, in ink, ink. yeah I, hate, I i i this this rite of passage does not appeal to me at all <laughs> i don't like Some it. Some people might might like, liken it to crossing the stage for carnival. Oh my god! <laughs> you know, and then you see them come out and they're putting up the hand in the air, like, like really? That's that's what that's what you like about this. I'm like yuck! I don't want to ink on my hand. All right, so so Patrice, thank you so much for being on the show, guys. We had Patrice Rene Harris, um, you know, weighing in, and you know, really, really appreciate your viewpoints on this. Um, guys, as usual, you've been listening to Objectively Incorrect. I'm your boy, Stephen Smith. And as usual, peace, no gang signs, and stay safe, guys. <laughs>